Okay, so we had a bad episode that I actually put at the bottom of the list. But I'm like, it's okay, you know, season two started strong. We're going to have more strong ep- No, this episode sucks. I, it, there's no logic to it. It doesn't have any oomph or power or sense make or characters or plot. Even the threat is silly. And you combine that with practical jokes, which I'm not a fan of in general. And a lot of fake and forced laughter, which I'm really not in favor of. And you get this episode. Even the conclusion literally comes out of nowhere, and for no explained reason. Chuck Menville and Len Jansen both wrote this. You may remember them. They did a previous thing. This is their second entry into the franchise. It's another threat episode, as of course it is. A lot of the TAS episodes are threat episodes. And it's another Practical Joker thing. I'm sure that's a colossal coincidence, but it is funny consider what BEM was supposed to be. So, let's... I, so the episode starts, and it's like, hey, everything's smooth sailing. Seconds later, they get attacked by three Romulan warbirds who are like, ha ha ha, we're going to kill you. And even though you actually haven't done anything justifying it, we're going to kill you because we're evil. <laughs> hey, I actually have a mustache I can do this with now. <laughs> totally evil. This I, I don't think it's long enough. It's not, it's not working out. Um, totally evil. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Well, I thought this was kind of the idea. You know, try to remove Federation ships from the equation in order to attack and prey upon their enemy in ways that they could justify. Kind of like the Klingons were doing back in the Delta, whatever it was called, right? The Delta Field, the Delta Triangle. Sorry to be redundant. But this is stupid. It would be incredibly easy for the Enterprise to, if absolutely nothing else, just send off a message. Hey, we got ambushed by three Ramelin ships. Here we, here's where we were. And then, there you go. Evidence of their wrongdoing. And now you have war, and you've lost your legality in your Cassus belly. Good job. So that's that's neat. Whatever. So it's a dumb ambush that is a cliche that comes out of nowhere, that they effortlessly escape by going into an energy cloud that wasn't there before. What is the energy cloud? Not answered. Why didn't they know it was in the area before this? Not answered. Okay. So the replicators start making stuff wrong. Okay. I, I can kind of be by that, even though they're not supposed to be replicators, but whatever. And then it suddenly makes a device show up on Spock's console, and nobody notices? How? Physically, how does it do that? I'm reminded of the uh, the other... Oh my god, it was the, these people. These two people wrote the previous episode. Where the computer just had arms and grabbers and could just build a computer with itself. It can't do that, okay? <laughs> You're... Even if I was to allow that it would do that, which I don't, absolutely, I am definitely not going to allow that nobody noticed this random device popping up on his console and Spock, of all people, deciding to shove his face into something he doesn't know what it is. That nobody knows why it's there. That he doesn't... This is when the episode actually starts to grate on me, and yes, I know we're only a few minutes in, but everyone is is finding these practical jokes hysterical. 
I already mentioned this. I'm not a fan of practical jokes to begin with, but at the very least, have people being like, <laughs> okay. You know, just kind of like the little chuckle laugh. But instead, they do the, <laughs> you, Mr. Spock, you, you've got stuff on your face and it's, it, it's a, <laughs> it's so funny that I can't. Now, I'm actually not that good at fake laughter, but, oh. So. They do a lot of fake laughter, and then we find, and the practical jokes escalate and escalate until we find out the worst possible practical joke that could be done has been done. Yes, the Kelvin timeline Kirk has been transported into the show. For shame. How did it ice the deck? Did it just, there needs to be some humidity for that, and, and water, and, and a lot of told temperature that they would have probably noticed before they noticed it. How? Okay. Not questioning it. It's magic. It's magic. Just let it go. So then in the middle of this unprecedented series of of practical jokes in which people are actively starting to get legitimately legitimately upset at each other, Uhura, Sulu, and McCoy decide to go on the holodeck. They don't call it a holodeck, but it's a holodeck. Pause. As we've discussed before, they actually wanted the holodeck to show up over in TOS. That was something that was shopped around several times and absolutely destroyed because of the cost and expense ratio that they would involve. Now, one of the points of the holodeck is to reduce costs on the show. This is one of its main purposes in early TNG. Nevertheless, they would still have to design a whole new set for the actual, you know, unused holodeck, and they'd have to do transition effects every time they transitioned from the holodeck to whatever it was projecting, and that is expensive, so that does make sense that they would axe that. Yet again, I find myself wondering how much of TNG Season 1 directly flows from TAS. This is not the first or even second, I think we're up to five, actually, times now, that I have seen a direct corollary between TAS and TNG Season 1, especially since the holodeck was specifically Roddenberry's idea. Now, what I find doubly funny about that is I have accused a certain individual, uh, I don't remember his name right now, of inventing the holodeck malfunction story over on TNG. I apparently have to walk that back because the holodeck malfunctions in this episode. Yes, I, I want to say that very clearly. The episode that introduces holodecks to Star Trek is the episode that introduces the holodeck malfunction. Can you not think of anything else to put in? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just feel like there's a general lack of, um, you know, jeopardy and danger and action in a holodeck malfunction. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just sick to death of it and, I, and just my tolerance levels are that low. Because I feel like there's so many awesome, amazing things you can do with the holodeck and they just keep hitting the ba- same freaking note over and over again. Oh, sorry, it's malfunctioning again. And yes, I know, in universe, the other 99.9 etc. times, the holodeck is fine. The only times we see the holodeck is when it's malfunctions. That makes sense. That's camera time. But it doesn't make it interesting, especially since it's the same damn thing every time we see it. Not every time, but an extraordinary percentage of the time. That all being said... I... It could be argued that this makes a degree of sense, but man, you have—what is my yawn today? You have to really twist this to make sense. So holodecks were invented back in Enterprise. 
I actually complained about that mightily back in that episode. I actually received lamentation status, though not for the holodeck. That was just bonus points at that point. And so we've already been introduced to the holodeck uh, about, um, what is it, 150 years before this? I'm like, a huge chunk of time, right? So, okay, holodecks have already been introduced to Star Trek. No, it's more like 50 years, my bad. Anyways, still a huge chunk of time. So, okay, fine. That's dumb, but fine. So then we have much worse holodecks here that the incredibly advanced and resource-glutted Federation comes up with. Okay, making less sense. Then we don't see hide nor hair from holodecks until TNG's time. Now, believe it or not, that part is the thing that makes that is the easiest to make sense because we wouldn't see holodecks in the films. There was no calls, cause for it. And there's like a 70-year gap in between Star Trek VI and TNG Season 1. So obviously we wouldn't see something if it's not there. Okay. However... The holodeck was specifically mentioned to be this brand new thing that they were still testing and working out over in TNG Season 1. And in fact, as I've already reported, it was actually a background plot thread that the holodeck was modified and improved by the Binars in 11001010101, or whatever the combination is, that allowed the holodeck then produce things that would be far more realistic and far more advanced, which would then lead to the other episodes that would would logically follow that consequence. Now, those episodes were then shown out of order, so that thread was kind of abandoned, but that is still arguably the canon reason for that. So the holodecks in TNG's time, which is 70-plus years after this, I think it's actually like 85, um, tons of years after this, are substantially less advanced and brand new, and then had to have specific modifications to be at the level of the previous indication. So no, I don't buy it. I, like most people, tend to just eject the animated series from continuity, even if it is considered canon. And so this is an easy thing to eject. After all, we're already ejecting the slavers and the the the, the fifteen godlike entities of the week, and the fact that the the Klingon the Kura were pink. I mean, it's it's not that hard to eject. If I can do it for the live action shows, I can certainly do it for the animated show. Except for yesteryear, that stays. And actually, even though I did just mention the slavers, I'd probably keep the slaver weapon at least a little bit. And Mud's Passion. And Pirates of Orion. I'd keep that one too, because that one actually fits in pretty neatly. But everything else, gone. Erased from existence. So, anyways, we have a holodeck story. Yay! From my perspective, since there are no holodecks in Enterprise Season 3 or 4 that I'm aware of, this is going to be the last time I cover a holodeck story. It's a damn shame that it's this, <laughs> this Drek episode, where they rush forward and somehow fall into an incredibly obvious trap of sticks and leaves, and then nearly freeze to death in what they called negative 20 degrees. I don't remember if they clarified Fahrenheit or Celsius, but at negative 20, it doesn't really matter anymore. That is super freaking cold, especially when you're in those uniforms, especially Uhura. So they're fine, sure. Yeah, no, everything's cool. But then they they manage to barely struggle on, and then they get out because they open the crow door, the, they pry open the doors, and it's right there. Even though that makes no sense, since they've already mentioned they don't have the terrain. They, they actually specifically mention that they don't have the terrain. Uh, what do they call it? The treadmill thing. Let me explain that really quick. I feel like I've explained this before, but it is mildly relevant. So this is the actual floor. Uh, actually, let me use my notepad for this. So this is the actual floor of the room they're in. And then when it generates all the matter, it generates a layer of matter on top of that, which you then are like pushed up onto. Then 
I'll use my little beard comb here. As you're sitting on that, you move forward, but instead of you doing this, what's actually happening is you're moving, and the program is shuffling the terrain under your feet like a conveyor belt. So it looks like you're moving forward, but in truth, all you're doing is standing still. And thus, it can create the illusion of a much larger space than the actual room. That's how the holodeck works. It's one of many, many reasons why the holodeck actually doesn't make sense the more you think about it. What? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Something just plugs into your brain, Matrix style, would actually make a lot more sense if you absolutely had to have a holodeck. And we'll consider that when we get to the Trek rewrite at that point. But, point being, they obviously don't have that because Uhura flat out says, if we just keep walking, we'll hit a wall. Which means the total space they're allowed in this holodeck is relatively small. It's the space that the, the room is. Which means they're severely limited on what they can do, despite the fact that they were just talking about taking a walk in the forest and possibly going swimming. Even though none of that makes sense, because how are they going to swim underneath the floor or carry the two? You know what, I give up. This is an episode where the Enterprise can just magically make the quarters into ice. Whatever. So... The focus on most of the episodes on the holodeck malfunction, too, that's the best part. In addition to being the holodeck malfunction, it's the primary impetus for a huge chunk of the story. Like, I'd say a third of the whole story is just them being stuck on the holodeck while it's trying to kill them. You know what? I, this is what I want to point out, that an AI that is effectively not a full AI, right? Probably not even a VI by most standards. So a relatively low-tier intelligence is suddenly trying to interact with things in a way that it finds funny. How does it define funny? We human beings, who are fully sentient sapient beings, have a wildly, drastically different sense of humor. Every single one of us, it's, it's something I've actually commented on before, We all, while there is such a thing as broad humor that hits most uh, classifications and categories of humor, generally speaking, we all tend to find different things funny. And that's amongst people who are at least of the same species and high-level intelligence. This thing is neither of those things. So this is this is something that could be a full-on horror film. This is, this is brilliant horror material, actually. This is some terrifying force that is trying to interact in ways that don't make any real logical sense simply because it amuses it. The idea of pumping, you know, the, the nitrous nitrogen or whatever into the into the uh, atmosphere, you know, the laughing gas is one of the most low-tier things it could do, and there is a general feeling of it escalating and getting more violent as it goes. This leads, of course, to it deciding to go and prank the Romulans. And then, one of the last acts it does is it sends Kirk into a place that Kirk is terrified of. At least that's what the computer thinks. Because it's trying to actively hurt him at that point, which is indeed one of the points of a practical joke. This then leads to the Enterprise somehow magically coming up with a giant inflatable balloon of itself that it throws out into space. <sighs> Spock flat out mentions that it's something like 20 times the size of the Romulans. Uh, no, no, I give up. I give up. This is a, when when the, the stuff was pumped into the atmosphere, they all just started tripping balls. That, that's what this episode is. Naturally, the Romulans are like, oh my gosh, and decide to destroy it, and it deflates in space because it's a balloon. And then Kirk pulls the most obvious reverse psychology thing I've seen possibly ever in order to trick it to go back into the cloud. This fixes everything. Why? 
Better question. How did Kirk know it would fix everything? None of this is explained or makes any sense whatsoever. And then, ha, 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 the Romulans are being pranked by malevolent AI. Ha, 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 Screw this episode. I don't find anything redeemable about it whatsoever. The only thing that salvages this from lamentation status is the fact that it doesn't have that extra little oomph behind it. And the fact that I forgot to turn on the lighting for the lamentation. I could easily reclassify this as a lamentation. It is, it is one-off at absolute best. Screw this episode. If you're wondering, the thing I could justify being the last little oomph is the holodeck thing. But I'm going to let it go. This is this is the bottom of the barrel, though. This is the worst episode I have seen uh, so far of TAS. And if this isn't a lamentation, I don't know what is. <sighs> no, it is. It is. Damn it, I, had, I, I got the lights all set up. See, the problem is sometimes I don't decide if something's a lamentation until I've already talked my way through it. Reprocessing and reanalyzing my thoughts helps to clarify these things. And that's a problem when you have to set up the lights in advance for that kind of a thing. I think I am going to classify this, though. I think this is going to be our lamentation for, for animators here. Surely there won't be any others. There's only like four episodes left. Oh, God, I don't even know. I don't even know what's coming up next. But I do hope you'll be there for for it with me. And I look forward to everyone in chat, or excuse me, in the comments telling me that I am wrong for classifying this as a lamentation. <laughs> I do hope you've enjoyed regardless. I'll see you next time.